Hello everyone and welcome to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. My name is Avid Kahl and I talk about bootstrapping, entrepreneurship and building in public. First, a word from our sponsor. Microacquire is the number one startup acquisition marketplace and it's simply the most efficient way to sell a startup when you're ready to make your next move. And typically, as a first-time founder, which we all kind of are when we're selling our first business, we have no idea what we're getting ourselves into when we go through this acquisition. And Microacquire wants to change that and then empower us founders when we're speaking with buyers and help really streamline this process of getting acquired for what we want, right? The maximum price without what we don't want, the headaches that come with not knowing what to do. And to date, Microacquire has helped hundreds of startups successfully get acquired and they have facilitated hundreds of millions in close deal volume. So if you're thinking about selling your startup, even just wondering, maybe hoping, you will want to check out Microacquire. Go to microacquire.com to learn more. And now, let's get started. Earlier this week, I talked to Michelle Hansen of Geocodio on the Bootstrap Founder podcast. Michelle co-founded the business that she's running, Geocodio, with her husband and ran it as a side project for several years. Now, that's a long time to wait before you commit full-time to a project. And we also learned during our conversation that there are many, many different ways of determining when the right time is to make that leap. For me, it was reaching a specific revenue figure, and for Michelle, it was something else entirely. So let's explore this critical step today. When should you go from side project to full-time? What are those significant catalysts that speed up this process? First off, let me make one thing absolutely clear. In a world as volatile and unpredictable as building your own business, the ultimate decision of when to take this step is a result of dozens, if not hundreds of factors that you have to uniquely combine into one grand equation. No advice given will ever make this choice for you. It can only help you make a better decision. Unfortunately, some myths are constantly propagated that tend to distort this elaboration process. The concept of job security and the idea of validation guaranteeing results. There are two extremes on a scale of incredible nuance. And when people talk about job security, they usually mean that being an employee allows for long-term stability in your life. Once employed, losing a job is generally quite hard if you're not willfully negligent. So you're safe. Well, unless you're heading headfirst into a recession, then even traditional companies and those with high margins tend to let people go. So are you safe? We're experiencing this in the tech industry right now, where giants like Twitter and Uber and even Meta, with all their juicy advertising money, are cutting their workforce significantly. There's this meme about how, as a software engineer, you can guarantee a lifetime of job security by just writing bad and undocumented code and no one can ever fire you. <laughs> well, not even that can protect people now. And that's because job security is a false promise. The only security lies in the enforceability of your contract, really, and that's usually something that you didn't even have much negotiating power when you signed it. So it's usually set up to protect you to the minimum required by your local labor laws while giving the employer as much freedom as possible. And also they have the lawyers. So whose security is it? 
And even if that imbalance of power wouldn't be enough, there is one giant misconception here in job security. With a single job, you have a non-diversified portfolio. If the job drops away, you have zero means of making a living immediately that could compensate for the loss of your job. And of course, you can always freelance or do part-time work, but that usually takes a while to get started, further delaying your entrepreneurial efforts. So this is pretty much the reason why people start building businesses and starting these side projects in the first place, hoping to turn them into big opportunities later down the road. And that's a good thing. Having an alternative way to make money helps you stabilize faster in those moments of change. It gives you options. And that's where we run into the other myth on the other side that may even do more damage than any perceived job security here. We're constantly told to validate when we first approach a side project. And even I recommend this path a lot because I think any sign of potential success is a good thing for your project. But there is no such thing as a validated idea. No theory could ever be truly validated. All it takes is one undiscovered counterexample to invalidate it. So when I see founders believing that their validation efforts guarantee a successful business, it scares me for them. It's because it's a dangerous assumption about any experiment, particularly one involving your life savings, to think that it's ever super validated. So between I'll be safe in my job forever and my business idea is guaranteed success, there are clearly many different potential realities. And if you're smart and careful, you start your business experiment as a side project benefiting from the mostly reliable employment income that you may have, but then check more and more if your business idea flies on the side. So what does this look like? For indie businesses, there are really just two discrete metrics that allow for a somewhat realistic prognosis on if it flies. First one is, are you making money? And if so, how much do you make? And the second one is, is your customer base growing? And if so, is it reliable, the growth? You're looking for signs of traction in either, best both of these metrics. And the easiest place to find traction is usually profitability. If your side project pays for itself, that's a pretty strong indicator that you might want to take it more seriously. But just how much revenue does a project need to feel safe? Is making a few hundred dollars a month enough of a signal? Or should you throw away a solid four-figure day job for this? This is why it's so hard to determine the exact right point to make a move. Some founders wait until their project allows them to have a few months runway, and these people usually have a way back into employment should they really need to. Most indie hackers come from a technical background and can quickly get into freelancing should they need to pay a bill. But I guess project work also exists in every industry, making that a fallback option for most entrepreneurs. But you never really know. It's just an option. Nothing is ever guaranteed. Your project might make $2,000 this month, but you could see $0 the next month. So just looking at the monthly revenue isn't enough. It's a really good idea to keep an eye on a second metric at the same time, and that's how many users can you reliably convert into customers every month. Do you have enough paying customers to sustain your revenue for a while? Are there more in the pipeline? All of this boils down to growth. And in my own SaaS, Feedback Panda, that's what went into the choice to turn it from a side project to a full-time commitment. We had 
a month-over-month -month growth of like 10% and more for almost half a year. And our MRR had caught up to twice the combined income that my co-founder and I made from our regular jobs. Knowing that there was enough revenue with a margin for error and the growth trajectory that didn't just look like a fluke, that gave us the confidence to make a move. And for indie businesses, this choice of making a move is mostly about money in some form. The best kind of funding that you can have is undoubtedly customer funding, which means having paying customers who deliver the steady stream of revenue that exceeds your monthly costs. You're profitable. The benefit of a diverse customer base in that case is that churn of a single customer usually isn't a massive risk for your business. For freelancers and employees, losing a client or your employer is usually a disaster. Not as much a problem if you're having 200 paying customers from many different industries. Diversified risk is good for the side project main thing, transition as well. But getting access to other funding sources is a good catalyst too. It doesn't just have to be customers. If a venture fund decides to pump a few millions into your idea, or, and I would very much prefer that, a bootstrap or compatible fund like the Calm Company Fund hands over a mid-five-figure lump sum to accelerate your next projects without having to aim for hypercoth at all costs, that's usually a good time to focus on your business. And focus is what all of this is really about. One thing I remember from Moonlighting Feedback Panda is that it got hard not to think about my eight-hour day job during my evening work sessions on my own project. If you're focused on solving someone else's problem so you can pay your rent, it's easy to sabotage the very project that could get you out of that predicament. If you can run your side project without having focus-shifting problems, then there is no reason to not keep working as an employee either or however else you bring in the grocery money. In fact, the forever side project, that's a perfectly legitimate approach. An approach to building a diversified portfolio too. I know a marketing executive who teaches at a college on the side, but they would never want to become a full-time professor, no matter how much the school would offer them. They just want variety in their lives without committing to any one particular activity beyond what's enjoyable for them. And your side project can be just that. Any level of success opens doors that can lead to massive opportunities in some other field. Maybe you can incorporate your side project into your main job or you meet someone to acquire it from you. Perhaps one of your customers ends up being your next co-founder on the next business that you start. There are truly no rules here, just choices. And for some, the choice to commit can be a heroic act of defiance too. Some founders just dare to try and jump into working full-time on a project without all the validation they should have done. Risky move, but increasingly often the right one when paired with a strategic approach like building in public or joining an accelerator like TinySeed, for instance. Personally, I think that this move is one of the most important ones in any founder's career. And therefore, it should be taken only when it's the right time. And I mean the right time for the project, not necessarily for you as the founder. As humans, we have this internal narrative about why and how and what should be done or should not be done. Like, if you have a business, even just a tiny side project that is growing and making you money and showing potential, it might actually be a good idea to admit that while you might not be ready, the business is, and you will get ready in just doing it. So here we are. 
it took me nine months to get from starting a side project to going full-time. That's how long Feedback Panda was a side project. And Michelle Hansen and her husband took three and a half years. And some people never take the leap. I asked people about their deciding moments on Twitter and the replies were highly varied. Interestingly, there is a clear continuum between internal motivations and external pressures. There are founders out there who only have side projects and stop having a main thing altogether because they just enjoy it more. And others, well, they were forced to find something new after their employers were run out of business. A lot of options here. Ultimately, it's really up to you, your traction, your funding, and your focus. But it's your choice to make. And I do recommend reflecting on making this jump every few weeks or months. Depends on, you know, how much you want to think about it. Because when you feel that there's potential, don't just jump into it. Talk to people who've done this before and listen to their stories and get their opinions. I know this situation is unique for everyone, but it often rhymes with the experiences of those who've done it before. Becoming a full-time founder that's probably the best thing that I've ever did. And you should probably give it a try. And that's it for today. Thank you for listening to the Bootstrap Founder Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Avidkal, A-R-V-I-D-K-A-H-L. You'll find my books, Zero to Sold, and The Embedded Entrepreneur, and my Twitter course. Find your following there as well. If you would like to support me and the Bootstrap Founder Podcast, please tweet about it or leave a rating and a review by going to ratethispodcast.com slash founder. It would be really appreciated. So thank you very much for listening and have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.